0: Hey guys, welcome to my series of podcast episodes about what? How? Um, my goal with these episodes is going to be to try to explain to you what a certain comprehensible input strategy is and how to implement it in your classrooms. I hope they're helpful for you. Hey everyone, in today's episode of Preaching to Acquire podcast by me, your lovely host, Caitlin Lubbert. I'm going to talk all about anchor charts. So I learned about anchor charts from Tina Hargaden a few years ago, and these are something that I had not been familiar with ever from my time being in school, from learning to be a teacher, and any of my years teaching. So I'm going to kind of break it down part by part. I'm going to tell you what an anchor chart is kind of why maybe you want to use it and kind of break down the step by step of how to in case you're interested in implementing it. I also have a blog post on the same topic if you go to preachingtoacquire.blogspot.com and I kind of broke it down and I provided pictures of some of the anchor charts that I have in my classrooms currently so you can kind of see what what they look like in use. So let's go ahead and break everything down. So what are anchor charts? Basically anchor charts are a chart that all students can see um, that have words or phrases or sentence starters um, to support the learning that's happening in the classroom. So if you actually go and Google anchor charts and you go to the images, you'll see like tons of anchor charts for, you know, reading or math or classroom procedures or all kinds of topics. Really, the anchor charts can be there. Um, And the idea is that you are co-creating these charts with your students or taking their input or adding little bits to it each day and kind of creating it as you go. So it's just a place to kind of anchor, right? To anchor that information, the content from the lessons down. So if you're using the stepping stones curricular framework, like I am by Tina Hargaden, um, for cycle one, phase one, which is all about describing settings, your anchor chart is going to have words, phrases, sentence starters, or sentence frames to help the students describe settings. So I just started making my first anchor chart with my fifth graders today, because I only have them twice a week. And so um, the things that we're going to be putting on it, we have weather phrases on it. We also have Like days of the week and how to start a sentence when you want to say what the day of the week is. And then we are adding um, the word I in Spanish for there is or there are. Um, And that's pretty much what is going to be on the anchor chart. We might add a couple of miscellaneous things that come up as we're describing settings often. Um, I have a feeling we're going to end up adding the word for buildings and like lake or water, um, trees, those kinds of things that that pop up easily in pictures of settings when you're describing them, but aren't necessarily like cognates or words that the kids see a lot. So anything that will help them to do the... The language function of describing settings. So, if you have a unit, you know, on um, likes and dislikes or preferences, that's cycle one, phase two in Stepping Stones. That's what I'm doing with my um, seventh and eighth grade currently. Sixth grade's kind of in limbo. We're on our way to cycle one, phase two. And, you know, we're adding phrases like me gusta, uh, detesto, más que, menos que, porque es. So, like with my eighth graders, we're working on comparing and contrasting like our likes with others, and then also stating why. So we have more information on there, whereas like seventh grade, it's like, you know, my likes comparing and contrasting my likes or, you know, comparing my likes to the likes of others. So, you know, you might add different different language depending on what you're talking about in your different classes. So that's the, that's the what are. So why use an anchor chart in a world language classroom? Well, it's just an extra piece of scaffolding to help your students succeed, right? Especially coming off of two crazy COVID years. We're in our third COVID teaching year. I can't believe I'm even saying that right now. Um, remember back when, like, in, in March of 2020 and we were all like, oh, we're just going to be gone for two weeks. <laughs> oh, if I don't laugh, I'll cry. Um, so anyhow, <laughs> we're in our third COVID year and things have been so wild that I want to provide as much scaffolding as possible for my students to be successful. And so if that means having these um, these charts up during class or having them using it when they're working on their early checkpoint assessments and things like that, then I'm going to provide them that because my focus is obviously in supporting them to feel successful to keep their effective filter low because one of Krashen's hypotheses is about the effective filter and if the effective filter is not low, they're not going to be acquiring a whole lot of language. So anything I can do to help that, um, I think that's honestly one of the reasons why my classroom is so successful. You know, nine times out of ten, maybe eight times out of ten, I really try to keep things positive and encouraging, and I try not to let the the worries and frustrations and annoyances get the best of me. So, Anchor Charts can help support that language in classroom. So, if you check out my blog post to see a couple pictures of them, and it'll give you some ideas, and... Um, I want to clarify, too, that the anchor chart is not necessarily supposed to be a vocabulary list that students are going to memorize, right? An anchor chart is really language to help facilitate the inputs and the, I almost said output <laughs> the input and output of, of the target language in the classroom, right? So it's not necessarily going to be something that Every student is going to acquire those words or remember those words, but it's going to help them to be able to understand when you're using that type of language and also express more when they're trying to use that type of language. When you are making your anchor chart, so let's dive into that. Um, First, you're going to want to make sure you have a big chart or paper. So I use the giant sticky notes that are from, I think they're from Post-it? No, maybe? Um... I know that, you know, Tops brand makes chart paper that doesn't have sticky attached to it. Um, there's like butcher paper or bulletin board paper that you could use and just cut pieces of it when you start a new unit. Um, if you needed to do it, I've even thought about doing an anchor chart on a regular piece of paper under a document camera. Um, but then that limits like how much I can display in my room because if I have, the paper anchor chart, I can have that up at the same time as my digital whatever thing we're doing, right? So if we're doing a write and discuss, I do that on my on my projector screen so I wouldn't be able to project the anchor chart. So you got to kind of figure out what works best for you in your situation, depending on if you're a traveling teacher or you share a classroom or whatever it might be, your wall space, etc. cetera. Um, and you could also do this digitally. But again, the idea is that this is going to be a scaffold that will be up in the classroom for students to use during your lessons. So if it's digital, think about like how I can make this available to them. You could also have the students copy the words from the anchor chart into their notebooks if they have them or you know if they have binders or anything like that for your class. And then they could have their notebooks out open to that anchor chart page. I just know that it's worked really, really well for me to have the paper up in the front of the room and the students not having anything on their desk, but that they still have access to kind of those notes and that that support to speak and to write and to understand more. So you're going to have whatever place you want to write and create your anchor chart ready to go. And then basically, if you're using the Stepping Stones daily lesson framework, uh, we usually add to our anchor chart right before our shared writing for the day right before we do a write and discuss. So we'll add just two or three phrases from that day that we used a lot, maybe in our input time that we used a lot when we were describing the pictures and we'll add it to the, to the chart. If I can help it, I don't, Put the English translation on there necessarily. So my preference is if I can draw a little picture to help under the students understand what that word means. And sometimes they won't even need the picture. Sometimes they can just put the Spanish up there, and they know what it means, but they don't have a, they don't they don't always remember the word well enough to like pull it out of thin air, right? So if I put "está nublado" on my anchor chart, the students remember that it, that means it's cloudy, but they may not be able to pull nublado, out of nowhere yet. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of that in-between where they're like, they know what it means, but they can't like recall that word on their own yet. So it's kind of that messy time of language acquisition where they haven't had quite enough repetitions of it, but they have enough that they, they can understand it. So We put like two or three new phrases on it each day. Um, We build it in class together. So like I'm writing on it in front of them. I'm taking their suggestions. There was a really funny story and I put this in the blog post too. So if you read that already, you probably heard it. But I like cracked up laughing. And if you have watched, what was it? If you have watched um, one of my videos this year on my YouTube channel with one of my seventh graders, you hear this joke come up in class when the students are speaking. I think it's one of the days that we were maybe doing the speaking activity or maybe it was a visual survey. I don't remember. I wish I knew which video it was in because it's funny. So I was describing pictures of different places around the United States because I decided that was what my focus was going to be in seventh grade with the unit on describing places. So I have, you know, like big cities and popular destinations and we're describing what's in the pictures and all that. And so I said, In Spanish, hay árboles con hojas pequeñas, which means there are trees with small leaves. And all of a sudden, my student in the back of the room, one of my seventh grade boys, his eyes get real big and he's looking like, what did you just say? And I'm, like, looking at him, like, he's one of my, you know, he's one of my students that's normally on it and understanding. And I'm, like, what is going on? I literally, I'm, like, what's wrong? And he goes, ojos pequeños, which means small eyes. The tree has small eyes. <laughs> and we just, we just, we just all like cracked up and died laughing because the word oja for leaf and ojo for eye are very similar. And I wear a mask when I'm teaching, so they can't see the way my mouth is moving right. And that might that might not have happened if they could see that or kind of hear that better. But <laughs> So then on our anchor chart, we made sure to add, and if you look at my blog post, we made sure to add ojas and ojos <laughs> so that we would know the difference. And that class, you know, it's become an inside joke. It built community like... It's just a funny thing. And of course, you know, on the writing assessments, some of them had to write about, you know, the ojas pequeños or the ojos pequeños because they thought it was so funny. So that's why one of the benefits of like personalizing it to each class. So if you have two sections of Spanish one, in theory, you would have two anchor charts for Spanish one, one for first hour, one for third hour. Um, And that's the best way to do it. So I know it's a lot of paper and a lot of teachers are like, how do I store this? What do I do with them? And so I personally, I use the giant sticky notes, so I have space underneath my whiteboard, and I just stick them on the wall, and then I pull it up onto the whiteboard when I need it. You could, in theory, have like... Um, Big binder clips or whatever. Maybe you could mount those to a spot on your wall or in the front of your room where um, you keep, like, all the charts hanging. And then you have maybe a student who pulls out the one for the class or brings it to the front. I know some teachers use, like, carts. Like, there's, like, easel carts where they can, like, flip them over. Um, Some teachers have, like, a hanger system. You know those hangers that have like the clips or whatever? You could like clip the papers onto the hangers and then you could like hang it. Maybe you have a hook in the front of your room. I don't know. So you might have to get creative. Please don't ask me because those are all of the creative solutions I have for you. Um and so and then what do I do with the old anchor charts once we're done with the unit? Each class has like gallery on the wall basically it's like a place where all their things are going to go so when we get to creating one word images and things like that I'm going to put their one word images in that area so their old their old um, anchor charts just go on the wall in a different spot of the room because those words and those phrases and that language is going to continue to come up and what's been really cool though about having all the anchor charts available and how even though i'm doing describing places with all of my classes we're kind of focusing the language on different ways and we're talking about different places and you know in eighth grade we're doing more like comparing and contrasting and we're talking about places in spanish-speaking countries and we're using the passive voice to describe like oh you can hear this and that versus like there are this or there is that um And so I see my 5th graders now who are using an anchor chart, I see them looking around the room and using the anchor charts from the 6th, 7th, and 8th grade classes for their own participation, which has been really cool. And I have seen students, I, I encourage them, if you've listened to my podcast episode about keeping my class motivated with class points, I encourage them to use the target language as much as possible. I don't penalize them if they use English, but I give them kind of bonus points if they're speaking in Spanish unprompted. And I just kind of try to remind them of that. Um, And so like my fifth grade today, we were doing our write and discuss and I was having them um, give me, you know, parts of the sentences and ideas. And it was very simple things like, here's a picture. What is the weather like in the picture? We had talked about it. So all they had to do was kind of recycle language we had already said. And I'll see students, okay? So you know those students that like, now that they don't want to think hard, but the thing is hard for them to think of. And so they're like, you know what? I'm just going to sit here and let someone else volunteer because this is really challenging for me. And not that there's anything wrong with that necessarily, but giving them this anchor chart is a giving them a scaffold and a tool to help them become more independent, right? Like using your resources at the middle school level, getting the kids when they come in as sixth graders, they're so used to, and even as fifth graders, when I have them, they're so used to teachers doing not everything for them, but they haven't had to do a lot on their own, right? They they haven't developed that independent thinking and that independent, like, how can I find the answer myself? Or how can I go above and beyond what's being asked that like in internal drive and motivation to to do it on their own, to do better, to do those things. And especially after the last two years, they've missed a lot of that from being in and out of school and running around like crazy on a hamster wheel. So I will see kids who maybe wouldn't normally participate. And I'm like waiting for responses from the students, right? Like maybe I'll give a few descriptors of a picture and then I'm like, okay, does anyone have any more that they want to add that I missed? And I'm just like waiting. And I can literally see their eyeballs go from the picture that we're talking about to the anchor chart, and then I see their hand go up. If that anchor chart weren't there, I can guarantee those kids would not even be participating. So I think it gives those students that need that extra scaffolding a reason to, to try, right? Instead of just feeling like, well, I'm dumb, I'm stupid, I can't do this. And I think it also gives... The students who, well, it gives the, the students who don't need it aren't going to look at it, so it makes them feel good because they're like, "Yeah, I didn't even have to look at the anchor chart, right? I already know that word." And then it helps the students who need it. So I think it's just a great scaffold. It's a great tool you can use that will assist everyone in some way. Um, and so that's that's the gist of anchor charts. So I want to touch on a couple more things because I know people are going to ask me. And you may disagree with what I say, and that is 100% fine. I'm just going to share my perspective on it, and maybe maybe it'll help you think about your situation a little bit of a different way. Maybe not. Maybe it'll help you understand what you want to do better, but this is like my perspective, at least currently as of now. Today is October 12th, 2021, so if you're listening into this in the future, hopefully if I've had any big perspective changes, I have shared those as well in my podcast episode. So, a couple questions that I have a lot that are asked is like, well, doesn't this just give them a crutch to use? How do I know they're really understanding? Okay, so in CI, using comprehensible input, and especially with your novice level students, like I can tell you my eighth grade anchor chart had way less on it than my sixth grade anchor chart did because they need less support, right? They've already acquired more language. They're more intermediate level. So most of it was like the passive voice of the verbs that we were using, like can be seen, can be heard, you know? Whereas with sixth grade, more novice level students, they need a little more support. They need more words available to them just because their their vocabulary and their language is is not as comprehensive so with your novice level students especially and this is the perspective i'm taking like with scaffolds is part of the standards right with with a sympathetic listener with you know scaffolding and with visual aids and all of that that's part of the standards that's part of the process also they are getting more input of that phrase every time they look at it and they have to find it and they're going to use it. Um, And honestly, at the end of the day, like it builds confidence and it builds their ability to believe in themselves and to know they can be successful. And so at the end of the day, like I really want to just inspire them to try their best, to try hard and know that they can do hard things to feel confident in their ability to try, right? And to complete things and that they acquire some Spanish. So the anchor charts are going to help them get there. And I really just want them to feel safe and comfortable using the target language. So output, right? We don't want to force output, but I do encourage output because I don't want them to be afraid of trying to speak it. I always emphasize, you know, I'm not worried about how they're pronouncing the words, especially early on. You know, I will say them and I just want them to try because when I speak Spanish, I don't have a fantastic accent. You know, I have students who English isn't their first language. They have an accent when they speak English. I can still understand them. So we're working on, we're gonna speak. I'm not gonna force you to speak. But if you want to try to use the language, here it is for you so that it's more easily accessible, I guess, is the way that I'm trying to explain that. Um, And it empowers them in a way that I haven't seen before. So this is my first year using them. I've been afraid. To be honest with you, I've been afraid and confused and overwhelmed to try it. But I feel like I got enough of my other things under control, like my curriculum, my daily framework, et cetera, that I'm like, you know what? Let's go ahead and try Anchor Charts. Um, a lot of people ask me about like, what about for quick quizzes or for assessments? Do you leave them up for our daily things? Yes, I leave them up because those are all like formative little daily work scores anyway. Um, when it comes to summative assessments, I'm not sure yet. I haven't gotten to our first summative assessment. I did leave it up for our checkpoint assessment, but like I'm reminding myself, this is the first time ever that my sixth graders have had to write in Spanish. So I want to make sure that they're, I'm building up that, that scaffolding to make them feel successful. Right. Because how many times do you're like, are you telling your students, okay, I want you to write, you know, for 10 minutes, go. And they just like sit there and they're like, uh, this kind of takes away some of that writer's block too and helps them get going. You could also say, you know, I'm going to leave, I'm going to have the anchor chart up for the first three minutes to get you started and then I'm going to take it down or you could do one with the anchor chart and do a different writing assessment without, or, you know, there's just you, I don't know that I'm going to leave them up always. Um, but for now I just, I really just want to make them feel successful and being able to see them walk out of my classroom and being like excited and proud of themselves. Like I'm telling you it's top notch and I know they're understanding because, like, they're telling me what all the things mean. And the definitions aren't on the anchor chart. So, that helps a lot. But I do think, you know, when it comes to summative assessment time, I do think that I, I might leave it up for them to brainstorm. Like, maybe their first sentence or jot down, you know, a couple ideas on their paper. Um, but I think I'll probably take it on when it comes to summative assessment. But either one. Both of them are valid. If you think about a language arts class, students write papers with resources right if they're writing a research paper or they're writing you know a reaction to something they're looking at the resource to react to it but if we want to do a fluency right that's going to be different right so think about what the point of your assessment is and kind of make that decision there um Yeah. And eventually the figure, the students are going to figure out they don't need them. And eventually I'm going to put probably less on the anchor charts or not have definitions or just have like the main keywords. You know what I mean? Like I'll wean them off of feeling the need to use them. However, I want them to be supports for the students who need them, if that makes sense. So for now I'm going to consider them their training wheels and I'm going to keep them on for as long as they need them. And I really hope you give it a try. If I forget to add the phrase during the part of the daily lesson when I normally do, I'll just add it after. Um, Or if we get into the next day and there's a phrase I really want to add early on, I'll throw it on there and I'll just let the kids know like, hey, this is a new phrase we're going to be using today in our input time and I want you to know what it means. So I'm going to add this right away so we don't forget. And what's really cool is when you start asking the kids, hey, what are like two or three words? Like, let's say you've added the phrases you already feel like you need to. What are two or three words today that you feel like we should add to our to our anchor chart? They're going to tell you the words that gave them trouble or that they're worried they're going to forget. And it's really great because then you know what things they don't need to add on there. You know what I'm saying? So I hope you give it a try and I hope that it works well for your classes too and give it a shot. I think it was worthwhile and I think it was I think it was a really good investment of my time, my giant paper. And oh my gosh, if you're not using Mr. Sketch markers and the smelly Mr. Sketch markers to write on your anchor charts, are you even living? Are you even a CI teacher? No, I'm just kidding. But like They make it so much more enjoyable. I change colors all the time. You could ask the kids, like, what color they want you to write in that day. You know, I like to sniff the markers. It's hard through the mask. You know it's a good, strong marker when you can sniff it and smell the scent through the mask. Anyway, I digress. I hope you're having an awesome week. Give Anchor Charts a try. Let me know how it goes. But just remember, they're not vocabulary lists for the students to memorize the language. It is sentence starters, words, phrases, to help empower the students to understand and express things in the target language on the topic of your unit. Have a good one, everyone.